It is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and it's time for the New Hampshire News Recap. We're getting into this week's top stories. Large crowds showed up at the State House this week to push back on a number of Republican-sponsored bills that advocates say would curtail the rights of LGBTQ youth. The proposals include bills that would restrict access to gender-affirming care and updated versions of a so-called parental rights bill that failed to pass last year. NHPR's Sarah Gibson and Paul Booth have both been following these proposals and join me now. Good morning to both. Morning. Morning. Uh, NHPR, Sarah Gibson, are you there? I sure am, oh, yes. Hi. Okay. She's, she's joining <laughs> us remotely this morning. Always just checking the tech. Let's uh, talk about what's going on at the State House. Lawmakers heard hours of testimony this week on proposals to create a parental bill of rights here in New Hampshire. Now, Sarah, tell us more about who is in support of this parental bill of rights and what they're hoping to accomplish with it. Sure. So there are two bills. There's one before the um, House and then another one before the Senate, which is a little bit narrower. Um, But basically, they're meant to largely enshrine existing rights um, that parents have to direct the education of their children, to direct the medical care of their children. Um, But they, they, they say these are needed in part because during the pandemic, uh, these rights were ignored or have been eroded. I mean, think you know, think back a couple years ago to to the big fights between parents and school board members over school closures, over pandemic mitigation requirements, um, masks, vaccines, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, the the supporters of it say it's really um, it's really meant to to enshrine and put into one document what rights parents have uh, over the care of their children until they're until they turn 18. How is this year's version of, of this Bill of Rights different from last year's? So they're, uh, you know, as I said, meant this. These are meant to enshrine existing rights largely. But then there is a clause um, that specifically addresses issues around how parents, schools, and students navigate gender and sexuality in the school building. And so what I mean by that is last year we saw some amendments that critics argued uh, would have really kind of forced schools to out LGBTQ students to their parents without their consent. Things like whether or not that student is in a gay straight alliance or has changed their pronoun or name in in, in class. Um, that's the reason, one of the major reasons the parental rights bill failed last year. This year, um, the language has changed around that. It's essentially if a parent asks the school, um, the school has to respond truthfully whether or not the student has changed their pronoun, um, their their name, uh, if, if the student is, is say, transgender or non-binary, uh, the school really has to, to share that with parents. Um, and, and, you know, there, there are a number of specific cases that have been pointed out. Uh, there's actually a, a legal case right now about the Manchester School District's policies on this. So it's definitely been a, a conversation animating political campaigns, lawsuits for a while, and uh, the supporters of this bill want there to be something in law that forces schools, if the parents ask, to tell uh, parents about um, the the changed name or pronoun of their kids. Essentially adding the child, whether the child wants it or not. Um, Exactly. There's strong opposition to this bill, Sarah, including from the state's child advocate. What did folks testifying against a parental bill of rights have to say? Yeah, so I mean, they focus largely on this 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 clause, these set of sentences about um, about about gender and sexuality, and so and so basically, 
you know, we heard we heard from from the child advocate and then from a lot of people who themselves um, had had come out when they were in high school or had kids who had done so. Um, and, and, you know, those people with personal experience said, look, you know, I had a one parent was supportive of me, the other was not. Um, and it was actually really important for us to be able to, uh, you know, for me to, to, to have some privacy at school. Um, and, you know, in, in fact, other young people um, just testified about in general, the importance of having um, a, a confidential conversation with, with, teachers or school staff, you know, even if it's not about um, gender or sexuality, it could be about things that are happening at the home, um, include, including, uh, uh, you know, very uh, um, rare, but but certainly real um, issues of, of abuse. And, and that specifically was what the, what the state's child advocate noted. She said, I have a lot of concerns because um, we actually get a lot of our reports of issues at the home, including abuse, from school staff. That's a resource we 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 have in the state um, if there are concerning things happening at the home mm -hmm. and if there are any things that could potentially shut down those conversations or have a chilling effect on those conversations and on those um, sometimes confidential relationships. We have major concerns about mm -hmm. that from kind of a child welfare standpoint. Right. Now, now, many of these same folks are also in opposition to bills that would restrict access to, to gender affirming care for youth. Paul, I want to turn to you. Tell us more about some of those proposals. That's right. So there's one bill that would ban gender affirming care for minors. Another would define it as child abuse. And what we're talking about here is medical care that's meant to better align someone's body with their gender identity, with with who they are. Uh, so for trans and non-binary youth, that could include things like like puberty blockers or home hormone therapy. And, you know, this kind of care is endorsed by the country's major medical societies. They say it's it's evidence based. Um, it can be essential for the mental health of, of young people who are struggling with gender dysphoria. And lawmakers this week heard from numerous uh, trans and non-binary granite staters, both youth and adults and parents of trans children who spoke about the difference this kind of care, you know, has made in their lives. Um, some of them described, you know, being depressed, anxious, even suicidal and then being able to start treatments like uh, gender-affirming affirm, hormone therapy and and sort of describe them as a real turning point that they could finally, you know, come out and, and sort of be themselves. Uh, it, it's worth noting also one of these bills, um, HB 619, is actually quite a bit broader. Um, it does ban gender-affirming care but also places various uh, restrictions on trans youth at schools. It would bar them from bathrooms and sports teams that align with their gender identity, um, and and from changing their name or pronoun from what they're registered as. So there's sort of a um, a lot in this bill. Advocates for LGBTQ rights really see it as kind of a a broad attack on on those rights. Now, multiple lo local doctors did speak out in opposition to to HB 619 at the state house this week. What did they have to say? That's right. So, you know, the bill's sponsors sort of said, you know, they have questions about this area of medicine and its its application to, to children. But multiple doctors in New Hampshire pushed back strongly against that. Again, they said this is the recognized standard of care uh, for youth with gender dysphoria. It's, again, backed by all the major professional societies. And they said, you know, not being able to offer this care to patients who need it would, would go against their medical ethics. Um, you know, they warned that Blocking access to this kind of care can be incredibly harmful to the mental health of young people. Um, you know, LGBTQ youth already have higher rates of, of things like depression and, and suicidal ideation. And so 
uh, not being able to, to give them that care could, could make those things worse. Um, so in, in short, they said, you know, this is, is life-saving medical care. Now, how do these proposals that we're seeing here in New Hampshire align with national movements and legislation in other states? I want to ask, uh, ask Sarah that question, Sarah. Sure. So, uh, you know, folks might be paying attention to the national news and, and certainly see parallels. I mean, the House Republicans in Congress have introduced a bill that, um, you know, aim, aims at, particularly at, at these questions of parental rights in in an education setting. So, uh, you know, it, it, there are there are there's certainly a national um, a, a national conversation that is more addressed at things like books, reading material, curriculum, the ability of parents to address school boards. Um, but, you know, we're actually seeing um, clauses similar to that in other bills outside of the parental rights bill. So that those uh, issues are certainly percolating here in New Hampshire. And then we've also seen parental rights bills passed by Republican-led legislatures um, across the country. So, so certainly there are, are templates that are being um, you know, used across the country. The I will say the one the ones in New Hampshire are as of now a little more narrow um, and and tailored than some of the other ones we're seeing elsewhere. It's morning edition here on NHPR. We're recapping this week's news with NHPR's Paul Kuno Booth and Sarah Gibson. Some other news going on from the state house. Let's get to uh, some some of this. Sarah, you've been following efforts to expand New Hampshire's Education Freedom Account program. We've been reporting on this this morning. What's the latest news there? Sure. So last uh, yesterday uh, morning, there was a, a full House vote. Uh, and as as folks probably know, we have a really closely divided House. Um, so that means that every single vote, vote on, on partisan issues really counts. And Republicans wanted to make sure they had enough people to support expansion of education freedom accounts. This is a major policy goal for them. These education freedom accounts essentially give state aid to low-income families to pay for non-public school options. So things like private school tuition, homeschool supplies. Um, and what happened yesterday is that lawmakers approved, you know, on partisan lines, so Republican lawmakers approved measures to increase, uh, increase that program, to basically lift some of the eligibility requirements regarding income for certain categories of students. Um, this is part of a longer effort and plan to, to really make education freedom accounts available to, uh, you know, somewhat really to every single family, regardless of income. This is this is money that was formerly kind of earmarked for public schools. Uh, but that issue, that kind of um, bureaucratic question about whether or not this money should be going to uh, private school tuition, et cetera, that was also potentially addressed through a, a bill that was approved yesterday that kind of changes the language around how how New Hampshire uses its money for education. Uh, I want to turn to you, to you Paul. Um, you've been following a number of bills surrounding access to abortion services in New Hampshire. Can you tell us what happened this week at the State House? That's right. There's a, a number of pending bills in the state legislature, some that would um, sort of strengthen or expand abortion rights, some that would further restrict them. Um, this week, a House committee uh, heard a number of those and, uh, you know, voted against uh, recommending, strongly against recommending 
two, you know, new restrictions. One would have uh, banned most abortions at at six weeks, which would have been a, a major change from the current law, which which allows abortions up to 24 weeks in New Hampshire. Um, another would have uh, required abortion providers to to give patients certain information. Um, abortion rights advocates have had called this sort of a, an attempt to dissuade women from from seeking um, abortions. That one also, um, you know, overwhelmingly failed. Um, some other bills that would have, you know, protected uh, abortion rights affirmatively were um, uh, didn't get a recommendation from this committee. Uh, it was split down the middle. Um, and, you know, it's also worth noting the the Senate on the Senate side, they heard um, a, a bill that would have affirmatively codified uh, abortion protections up to 24 weeks. The, the Senate voted that down on party lines this week. Is there some other health news that's come out of the state house that either of you have uh, been keeping an eye on? I'll ask you first, Paul. Yeah. So another thing that happened this week, the state Senate uh, unanimously voted uh, in support of Medicaid expansion, of, of making that program permanent. This is the um, program known as Granite Advantage that provides health coverage for for many um, low-income adults in the, in New Hampshire. Uh, that's That bill still has to go to the Finance Committee, but it was a strong show of support, bipartisan support for, for continuing this program. It looks like that's probably going to get done. That would be my guess. Yeah. Okay. How about you, Sarah? What do you uh, what do you keep an eye on in your beat as far as the education uh, subjects are are concerned? Sure. So you know, we discussed the education freedom accounts. Uh, it's it's a it's a question of school choice that's really central to to this legislative session. And even though these bills got preliminary approval yesterday to expand the program, a couple weeks ago, uh, Democrats were in the majority in the state house just because of attendance. And they actually passed kind of the opposite bills, bills that would curtail the education and freedom accounts. And so even though, you know, there's been some movement on the education and freedom accounts to expand them, there's so much more that needs to be discussed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's definitely indications that it's, it continues to be a major priority for Republicans and for Governor Sununu. Um, but depending on attendance, we're not quite sure what's going to happen with these bills. So I'll certainly be looking at those. There are also a number of, of bills that are in the works that do have some bipartisan support mm -hmm. um, that, that shift the education funding mechanism in New Hampshire and would um, increase per pupil funding, both for public charter schools and traditional charter schools. So we'll be keeping an eye on that as well. Okay. We'll be hearing from you, I'm sure, on that. NHPR's Sarah Gibson, our education reporter, and Paul Kuno Booth covering health and equity here at NHPR. Thank you both. Thank you. And thank you for listening this morning. You can find more of their work, of course, and all of the stories we talked about at nhpr.org. And by the way, if you missed any part of today's segment or if you want to catch up on previous week's recaps, you'll find them wherever you get your podcasts. And, of course, we're here next Friday with a fresh one. I'm Rick Ganley. This is Morning Edition on NHPR. <laughs>